everyone to the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, a Prairie Proud Wrestling Podcast covering everything from Winnipeg to worldwide. My name is Blair Pacheco. I hope you're doing well. As you can tell, my voice is slowly getting a little bit better. You know, the sultry tones are coming back. I'll be good to go in no time. Brand new even, you know, like I, I'm rip-roaring ready to go, ready for the uh, the last of the little bout with COVID to be done and just to uh, just to keep moving on, be able to, you know, be a functioning member of society again and not, you know, constantly be worrying about my headache or, you know, the runny nose that I've been having for a week, you know. So all in all, it wasn't too, too bad, but uh, it still sucks and I don't wish it upon anyone. So uh, take care of yourselves out there and uh, just uh, be safe, okay? Um, besides that, uh, I mean... Normally, I've been I've been very fortunate the past little bit to you know be have constant uh, you know a constant slew of some fantastic guests on the on the program. But uh, with dealing with COVID last week, I I really it was tough just you know trying to get motivated to do anything, and uh, which you know if you ever deal with it, you will completely understand, but it, uh, it just took a little bit to uh, get going. And I kind of just took the time just to kind of reset. And like, I knew the podcast was there. The uh, last week's episode with uh, crystal moon, I was fortunate enough to record it before I'd shown any symptoms or things started to kick in. So after that, it really hit hard and it was a, it was a tough goal, but I kind of just took a step back and just sort of, okay, you know what? I'll put this episode out, the the interview with Crystal, and then we'll we'll wait and see for next week what I'm going to do. I didn't have any interviews lined up or anything. I was just kind of playing it by ear. But what I did come across was, <clears throat> pardon me, online I found a torrent, and this is actually up on YouTube as well. It was the Stu Hart Stampede Wrestling 50th Anniversary Show. So, you know, as soon as I saw that, I had to get my hands on it. I only found out it was up on YouTube, like, after I had Googled it and a a video link came up. But I'll tweet that out to coincide with this uh, episode. But I thought, you know what, I have always had a love for Stampede Wrestling. Vividly remembering it, watching it when I was younger. Stampede Wrestling would be on, then you would have usually WFWA on Sundays. I remember that. So... I was like, you know what, I'm going to watch that, I'm going to download it, watch it, and I'm going to review it, just for fun, just to do something a little different, a little change of pace, because, like I said, I was feeling it last week, so, this week, the Stu Hart 50th Anniversary Stampede Wrestling Show, that's what I'm going to be reviewing, talking about that a little bit, it's not going to be like some of the uh, reviews I've done earlier on, where I was just kind of recounting everything that happened in the match, but I'm just going to talk a little bit about it, and just have a little bit of fun, because, I mean... Why not? You know, it's wrestling. It's supposed to be fun. So now I had mentioned before, you know, or a few seconds ago, my intro to Stampede Wrestling. And I mean, I vividly remember, you know, Bad Company, Bruce Harden, Brian Pillman, Steve DeSalvo, Biff Wellington, um, Larry Cameron, Champagne, Jerry Morrow, Makam Singh, the great Gama Singh, you know, all of those names that were so influential in the Calgary wrestling history out there, you know, you had the Bulldogs out there. And I mean, there's so many 
so much, I don't want to say resource. Well, yeah, there is resources out there. You just have to look. There's a fantastic book um, about stampede wrestling. And I'm this is how prepared I am for this. I, I'm Googling it as we talk. Um, but it is a fantastic read. And it really goes into the history of stampede wrestling. And just some stories to go along with it. Because there's so much about it. It's called Pain and Passion, The History of Stampede Wrestling. I encourage you, if you have the chance, to check it out. It is a fantastic read, and it really, really gets deep into it. So, there, there's that. But um, I, I lost my train of thought. So that's you know that's awesome. The preparedness. Um, it's a fantastic read. Really talks about the history of Stampede and just you know, like I said, stories and all of that. So you had such an eclectic collection of wrestlers who left a lasting imprint on. Not just Canadian wrestling, but I'll say wrestling because when you think of all of the territories, I mean, you had, you know, the territories, different promotions, I should say, you know, you had your world class, you had your AWAs, all of the different NWA. Um, Stampede is right up there with them for its impact and legacy. You, You look at, if you go to their Wikipedia and look up some of the names that, you know, work their way through... I mean, you had your, you know, Abdullah the Butcher who was there, your, uh, the Stomper, who else? I mean, I mean, Rick Martel did a, a little thing there. You heard a few weeks back um, when I had Jacques Rougeau on. I mean, he wrestled out in Stampede Wrestling. So, Honky Tonk Man. I mean, there's another one. Dory Funk, if I didn't say that, I'm kind of rambling. But there, there's a who's who of, you know, wrestlers that we grew up watching and idolizing you know being fans of so you had all that they they almost make an impact on you know i want to say more my generation than some of the younger ones because stampede kind of fizzled out towards the end there in the the late 90s and i know they had the reboot in the early the the late 90s like 99 2000 ish they tried to do it again but it didn't really take but you still had you know your your Tyson kids who were there or I mean Moro Ronaldo was a part of that you know doing commentating and helping out with that so I mean Natty Neidhart you could go on and on Teddy Hart it's just a small little sample of even the new version of Stampede who was there but it's still you had those, you know, your Tyson kids, your natties and the the updated version who today's wrestlers, they it was a big part of their growing up. So, you know, you had that influence going on. So, like I said, the impact is still felt to this day and hopefully it continues on. You know, all we can do is remember the history and continue passing that on so that further generations can see the impact that Stampede had. But... The uh, the show, it uh, it aired in 1995. That's when it was done. So we're gonna do a little a little history about it and whatnot. I mean, you had so many impactful people who were originally part of it, still part of it. I mean, Ed Whalen did the commentating for it, and I, there's lines that he kicked out that I still remember from way back. Um, the the show was broadcast. It was an hour long, but there was, I think, four or five matches on the hour long broadcast. There was a few matches before that, which I really wish was a part of it. And uh, I'll run through those real quickly. So 
you had the Cuban assassin and Jerry Morrow. They faced off with King Lau and Mike Anthony. Uh, Makam Singh, who I will always remember, like he had a huge, because he was such a hated villain, like that I remember. So I'll always remember him. He really does not get the appreciation he deserves for some of his, uh, his work, because I mean, most people are familiar with him as a Bastion Booger, who it's just, it doesn't really show the appreciation for the legacy Makam has had on wrestling. So Makam Singh faced off with the Gothic Knights. You had Ronda Singh facing off with Casey Houston. And I'd like to take a minute just to mention Ronda Singh. If uh, you haven't already, there's a podcast who I just I love. It's one of the few that I check out regularly every time an episode is released. It's called Grappling with Canada. Andy the Taxman does a fantastic job. And last year, he actually had an episode dedicated to Ronda Singh. And I encourage everyone listening, if you haven't already, go take a listen to see just the impact Ronda Singh had on wrestling. It, it's huge. Um, so you had Ronda Singh and Casey Houston. Uh, Dan Crawford, not to be confused with um, the Phil LaFon, uh, Dan Crawford and faced off with Jesse Helton in just a short little match. So those were done beforehand. The uh, The main card was uh, five matches. We're going to run through that right now. But it uh, it was a mixture of stampede um, legends. You had some WWF wrestlers there, some other, you know, I don't want. I don't really know where Terry Funk was wrestling predominantly in 1995, besides you know Japan. But he was there. Um, so you had WWF wrestlers. You know, you had the Funks with Dory and Terry there, and you had Chris Benoit who was uh, wrestling in in 95. I think he was a part of ECW, almost um, WCW or WCW, but nonetheless they kind of build the one match as a WCW versus WWF. So you had just these mixtures of wrestlers who, you know, a lot of them had a uh, ties to Stampede Wrestling in one way or another, for the most part. There's a couple that aren't, but it's still nice to see them there. So the first match on the show on the broadcast was actually Chris Benoit versus Rad Radford. So Benoit, I mean, he, everyone knows that he had success in Stampede Wrestling. He's, you know, from Alberta. Um after a stampede success, he went on to New Japan and he did the Super Juniors over there as a Wild Pegasus. Had some fantastic matches with Jushin Liger, the great Sasuke. And I mean, you you look and some of the matches he had, are, they could, they'd be, you know, almost like a dream match you, when you think of it now. But at the time, it was just, you know, some of the best light, lightweight junior wrestlers in the world taking part in uh, these tournaments, so... Um, so he finished up in, you know, work Japan. He had a cup of coffee in WCW, only a few matches at the time. Um, but one of them that's notable was actually, I think it's, it was for a, a tag team tournament. And, uh, he teamed with Biff Wellington, who has, you know, history in Stampede Wrestling against, uh, Brian Pillman, also history in Stampede and Jushin Liger. So, I mean, that match is out there. I'm sure it's up on the network, if I'm not mistaken. So... They faced off, and then you had Rad Radford, who he, I mean, unfortunately, he passed away way too soon. Um, 
he had his problems he had his demons and that's uh it's out there if you want to read up about it but i mean he he start he has history you know in mexico i mean uh a short stint in fmw over in japan and then you know ecw wcw i mean rad radford in wwf but it never really took off much so the the one notable feud I think that he had in WWF, not even a feud, the notable storyline was with the Body Donnas, and that was just the, you know, there wasn't anything to it. But later on, when, he, you know, he goes from ECW to WCW, being a part of the NWO over there, and just, uh, you know, doing his innovator, the real innovator, as opposed to the innovator Tommy Dreamer, some of the moves he was doing, you know, the Death Valley Driver, things like that. And even you, you hear about people talking just about um, his wit and his uh, the way he could speak because they they talk about um, him doing some commentating in WCW before he uh, unfortunately passed, and people being impressed with the job he was doing with that. So it's uh, it's really too bad and really sad that he was gone way too soon because you can only imagine the potential that was there that. Uh, that you know how do you say this um that was lost with him you know lost with his untimely passing so um the match all the matches were for the most part almost like glorified house show matches you can tell that they had fun with it they were having a good time out there and it was really just a celebration for stew and just uh just a show for the fans who you know were part of the stampede history there so the uh the finish to this it almost it came out of nowhere it was a superplex off the off the top rope benoit rolls through got the pin and like i said it was out of nowhere and it, it's almost a surprise to you when you see it because you're expecting you know some big finishing move something like that and just nothing just done right there so after that um there was words from various stampede alumni just talking about the impact Stu had in Stampede Wrestling, and it was a really nice touch. And that's all throughout the show. You'll hear me mention this. Um, they showed up pictures of uh, Stu Hart from his legacy. There's a picture of him with like a Bengal tiger. So you can only imagine the fun that was had with that. After that, we had Keith Hart versus One Two Three Kid. Um, Keith Hart, I'm only familiar with a few of his matches, and that was. One of them being the Survivor Series match, where it was the Hart family against Jerry Lawler and his Knights. And uh, this match, actually. So, I mean, Keith was decked out in the Hart Foundation singlet that I think he wore at the uh, Survivor Series. And uh, Kid was definitely, I mean, he when I did the review of In Your House from 95, the Winnipeg one, that's when kids started showing his heel side, but that was also notable here, which makes complete sense considering you're wrestling part of the Hart legacy, the Hart family here, so you're going to be the bad guy. It's plain and simple. So uh, Kid definitely started was showing a lot of the heel tendencies, playing up to the crowd and just, you know, doing the nonchalantness, the um, really just doing the little things to kind of get the crowds against him. Um, 
the one thing that I really noticed, uh, I apologize because I'm recording in the basement, so you might hear the furnace or the sump pump going, but um, one thing I noticed, and if you queue up the uh, queue up this card and watch, you'll notice it too, is the start of this match, Stu was very slow, very meticulous. And then um, at one point, Sean had, uh, sorry, 123Kid had him in a headlock. And the with the quickness that Keith Hart escaped from this and whipped him into the ropes, it was unbelievable. I had to rewind it just to watch it because it was like a quicker than a snap of your finger. That's how fast he got out of it. It was unbelievable. Um, I also need to mention, I mean, Sean Waltman, one, two, three kid really does not get the love and, you know, appreciation that he deserves whether it was face or heel. I mean, he was really an innovator for the, the faster lightweight junior style that some of the uh, some of the wrestlers that were able to adapt from him and it's notable in this match you see it and even some of the uh, matches in the mid 90s before he went to WCW that you see up on you know the old Raws and stuff like that it was really noticeable there you watch some of the matches he had in WCW after he had jumped over you know the ladder match with Eddie Guerrero some of the feuds he had there you know, in the cruiserweight division, really being able to show his skill set and everything that he could bring to the table. So I'd mentioned before, I mean, a lot of the finishes, you know, almost come across as a, you know, a house show, which, you know, like I said, makes sense. Um, one, two, three, kid, he, Keith Hart goes for a figure four, kid counters it, rolls him up, grabs the tights, gets the win, and out of nowhere, you know, the, the heel celebration afterwards on the outside, just really having fun with it. A nice little shades of things to come with him for that eventual heel turn on WWF. After that, you know, they ran down a list of the Stampede Hall of Fame sort of uh, inductees, all of that sort of stuff. Um, words from Angelo Mosca, who a big part of Stampede. Um, after that, there was a... a there was two part, uh, two of these. Owen did one and Brett did one, where Owen Hart just talks about Stu Hart, his father, what he means to him, the legacy of Stampede, all of that. And, you know, watching this, and I find that there's not tons of Owen interviews out there in this sort of, um, in this sort of, uh, sort of thing, like, um, sorry, in this sort of situation. So having Owen talk about his family and just the impact they had it's really it almost brings a tear to your eye because i mean owen was so impactful in all of our you know in wrestling for everyone and to see this and just you know it almost it's a little bit of sadness because of another life being gone way too fast so it's nice to see it, but it's also just, you know, it's sad at the exact same time. There's going to be a lot of rambling in this. I tend to do that. Um, the Owen interview, that leads into the next match, Owen Hart versus Razor Ramon. Uh, it was an intercontinental match. Razor was the champion at the time. So um, you, you like no matter what with Owen, I mean, whether he was a heel or a face, he was really something special. And, you know, you go back and watch these matches and it's just, you know, it's, 
I get so much joy out of watching Owen Hart because it was, he was such an incredible talent. Owen, his antics in this match, I mean, so over the top. Um, he Owen, you know, played the heel in this match, continuing on, which was kind of surprising. I kind of thought that being in Calgary, you know, in front of his hometown, that he would more be a face just like Keith, but they really stuck to it. He really played it up. Um, you see his antics, like I said, so much more his expressions, you know, getting going to the outside and throwing his hands up and the the looks on his face. It's just, it's really great to see. So um, you see that, but then you also tie that into stories that other wrestlers have told, you know, wrestling him on house shows and just the, the fun that he, they had with him, the stories, the pranks and all that. And you get a, a little bit of sense of that with this match, just with uh, his expressions and the way his facials, all of that stuff. Um, at one point, Owen Irish whipped uh, Razor into the, the corner, hits the turnbuckle and the top rope falls off, you know, and you see something like that. And just the way that Owen was able to take that and be able to uh, work that into the match, you know, using the rope for a bit to choke Razor, throwing him out to the outside, doing stuff like that, biding time so that they could refix the ropes and get it back to that just shows what a consummate professional he was in and out of the ring. Just another, you know, another thing to add to the list. Um, at one point in this match, there was actually one of the slowest two counts I have ever seen in wrestling. Like it was notable. And I think at one point later on, Ed Whalen had even mentioned the slow counts. Um, so one, two, three kid, he comes out to interfere, helps out Owen. Owen gains the advantage, um, grabs a chair from the outside because the ref is distracted looking at uh, dealing with one, two, three kid. And it's this stood out to me just because of the terminology Ed Whalen used to describe it. And Owen bonked him with, or sorry, he grabbed the mic. He bonked him with the mic. And just hearing bonked, I'm like, yeah, this is... Uh, this is Stampede. This is mid uh, mid nineties Stampede. All of that fun stuff, family friendly. So, um, Razor he ends up countering a suplex, rolls up Owen, gets the win. Just you know, this was the epitome of a just a fun match for everyone. Um, after that, we had more Hall of Fame names, words from Stampede alumni, all that sort of stuff, and. Just hearing some of those words, it's really nice. Definitely, like I said, go your way and check it out. Um, sorry, I had to double check something just because I was like, there was five matches, right? Yep. Um, after that, we actually had the bad company, Bruce Hart and Brian Pillman, facing off with Dory Funk Jr. and Terry Funk. And they had Mockham Singh accompany them to ringside. Um, Mockham Singh, you could tell he had... He had a bit of a brush cut going on, growing out his hair after the bashing booger thing. So, um, bad company, not to be confused with the bad company from AWA, but you know, if I could ever see a bad company versus bad company match, I'd be all for it. Um, Terry Funk selling in a match like this was so unbelievable, so great. And I mean, you always hear the stories or, you know, people, the way they talk about Terry Funk and just, you know, 
the way he wrestles and all this, the way he sells is next level. And it's something that I don't think, you know, ever gets enough credit as well, because it is just fantastic. The, the stuff in the ropes, the bouncing around, all of that. It's great. Um, the, I don't know if these two ever had any interaction besides this match. And it's definitely something for any internet detectives out there, but having Brian Pillman and Terry Funk, share the ring together in this match facing off and squaring off i don't know if that's ever happened before so this might be one of the few times where it actually did so you had those two bruce hart you know pillman gets worked over by them funk is grabbing uh trying to grab tables from the outside all of this stuff pillman's getting worked over gets the hot tag to bruce hart because i mean who else would Bruce? If you check out the that Stampede book, I mean, there's a lot of talk about Bruce in there and just some of his some of his stuff. And I think even today, you you do hear about you know some people will talk about it. Um, Got to get yourself over. I mean, you know that's what it's all about, brother, right? So uh, Bruce gets the hot tag. The Funks end up getting DQ'd because uh, they they end up using a chair on on Bruce. So I mean. It is what it is. It's just a, it's a short little match. It really doesn't, you would have liked to seen them get more time, but for what it is, it's understandable. Um, you had more, more photos of uh, Stu Hart. There's uh, one of him and Abdullah the Butcher, which was really great. They actually brought out Stu to do a little celebration in ring. Some of the, the wrestlers of Stampede Past, you know, just paying respects to him. And actually, after this, they had showed another another picture which really stood out to me and i mean you do see it you know you saw it with uh enoki um the picture of him with muhammad ali there was a picture of Stu Hart with muhammad ali so you know you see something like that and it really just reiterates the impact that uh stampede wrestling had on wrestling and you know all of the all of you know that sort of thing you know where muhammad ali and Stu Hart are doing a a collar and elbow lockup for a, a, a picture. So after that, we got the words from Brett just talking about, you know, Stu and the impact, you know, of Stampede, all that sort of the same in the same vein as Owen. After that, we got Bret Hart versus British Bulldog for the WWF championship. Brett was champion at the time. Um, So with this one, I mean, it was supposed to be Brett versus HBK, Shawn Michaels. But I guess, I mean, I mean, Sean's notorious for not wanting to put bread over in Canada. So makes sense why he didn't end up doing this. Um, if you haven't already realized, I'm a Bret Hart mark through and through. So um, so it was supposed to be Bret and Sean. Works out to Bret and Bulldog. They actually made their way out to the ring um, on the backs of motorcycles. So just a fun little thing like that. And... I'd mentioned, you know, the matches previous to this, they really had a house show vibe to it. This one was a little bit different. This was a little bit more serious, a little bit more meticulous. You know, they weren't having as much fun with this one. I mean, it's not on the same level as the SummerSlam 92 match, but it was still a really, um, it was still really great to watch because, I mean, both wrestlers, British Bulldog and... Bret Hart, you know, they did have very impactful careers on wrestling. I mean, Bret a little bit more so, but he was always a professional in the ring. And I mean, you don't really get the joking 
comedic matches that you might have got with some of the other ones, the house show type vibe, you, you know, Brett really went all out with his work. And, you know, this was right through, I mean, this was no different. Um, the, the match they laid out, the match they worked was definitely more technical, you know, more, more on that aspect. So Brett ends up getting the win after reverse, after reversing a bulldog roll up, rolled through. I always liked things like this. It's notable, you know, Bret Hart, Bret had a few matches like that. I mean, I think if I could, it wasn't the same sort of roll up as the bulldog one from 92, but, uh, you know, it was, a you know, a different roll up, but, uh, what I'm getting at is like, he was able to win matches like that often. I mean, I think he had one against Bam Bam at King of the Ring, if I'm not mistaken, the one against Piper at WrestleMania. So using the roll-up to his advantage just shows, like, the different um, weapons that he had in his arsenal. He could, you know, get a win out of anywhere. So definitely something you really you really like to see, you know, not just finishing move, gets the win, you know, tap out. Being able to get those wins, those pinfalls, out of nowhere, showing your, uh, you know, ring IQ, so to say. Love seeing it in this match. This was no different. So, all in all, it was a really fun card. I mean, if you have, it's only, it clocks in like 45 minutes, so it's not that long. If you have time, you want to watch some vintage wrestling that you might not ever think of, this is definitely the way to go. Like I said, I'm going to tweet it out along with the podcast so that there's a link there. Um... If you're looking for something, check it out. Give it a go. There's not tons of Stampede Wrestling content out there. I would love if, you know, someone was able to bring some of that out and show it off. And Because, I mean, you have, you know, world-class, AWA, all that stuff up on the network, NWA. But Stampede's missing. That's what I want to see. I want to be able to see Stampede. If someone came out with a box set of all of the, the programs, I would buy it. That's how much I'm, I'm desperate for it. So give it a watch, give it a go. It's, you know, honestly, it's more enjoyable than some of the stuff that's out there today. So have some fun with it. But I know this was a little bit of a different podcast, but it was just something fun just to, uh, you know, just to do something a little different. But thank you for checking out the podcast. I say it every time I will always say it I truly appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to the podcast interacting on Twitter all that stuff thank you for that it means the world to me so um, if it's your first time listening you can find me up on Twitter at GrainmakerPod. Uh, you can you know we can talk wrestling up there shoot me a follow you know let's uh, let's talk wrestling uh, email GrainmakerPodcast at gmail.com questions comments concerns you can send it that way up on facebook grade maker wrestling podcast apple podcast google podcast spotify podcast all those uh, podcast platforms if you could rate and review that would be truly appreciated and uh t-shirts if you go to whatamaneuver.net search grain maker wrestling podcast i've got t-shirts for sale up there um half of all of the profits is going to Ray Winnipeg, Resource Assistance, Resource Assistance for Youth Winnipeg. It's a local nonprofit. They're doing some great things. And uh, half of the profits of the shirts are going towards that. So if you want to pick up a shirt, if you're not in the 204 area, um, that would be great. I am getting shirts made up locally. So if you are in, 
you know, Winnipeg and want a shirt, hold tight, drop me a line, let me know. And uh, hopefully within the next week or so, I will have some shirts uh, available. Um, Pardon me. So, I mean, let me know if you want one. We'll work something out. Um, I think up on the website, I mean, you're going to have to pay shipping and exchange and that. So, I mean, if you're local, just talk to me. It'll be a little bit cheaper. So, if you could grab a shirt, the I should mention the shirts locally, half of all profits from that go into Ray Winnipeg as well. So, just know the money is going towards something very important. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah, grab a shirt. Show off the fancy threads. They're they're very nice looking shirts. I know a few people have already gotten theirs from What a Maneuver. They let me know. So thank you to them for buying and uh, I appreciate it. So I think that is everything for socials and all of that. Um, yeah, I'm hoping that next week back with the hopefully another uh, another great guest. Fingers crossed. I think I have something lined up. So if not, I'll be hard at work over the weekend. But uh Thanks again for checking out the podcast. Sorry it was a bit of a ramble. It's not uh, not my, you know, finest moments right now, still dealing with this, but I still had a lot of fun doing it, watching the show and bringing it to you. So thanks again. We'll talk soon.